In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Wonderful. Well, it is very good to be with you, those of you here in the room, also everyone joining online, Kingsgate Leicester, Kingsgate Cambridge family, I love you and I miss you. And isn't it good to be together? And a little question for us as we begin today. If you could have been alive at a moment in history and actually present there in that moment, what would it have been? As I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about some moments that happened in the 1960s. I wasn't alive in the 60s. Anyone alive in the 60s? Give me a wave wherever you are. Yeah, let's shout out for these guys. Come on. So I don't know all the ins and outs of the 60s, obviously. I know there was some stuff that, that wasn't great, but there were some moments that were really powerful. I think of 1963, Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, speech inspiring a nation and a generation to justice and to hope. I think of 1966, England winning the World Cup for the first time, not the last time we believe in Jesus' name. I think of 1969 when Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin taking a step onto the moon. I would have loved to have been there in that moment, just floating around in my little spacesuit along with them and, and seeing that happen. Now these are all amazing moments, all powerful moments, but, but I want to propose to us that the moment that we just heard in that reading read was actually even more wonderful and even more powerful. You know, if you're here in church for the first time today, or maybe that was the first time you've heard that reading, I just want to say you are so welcome and we are so thrilled 
that you've chosen to be with us here today and tune in online. And, but for those of us who are Christians, who've maybe heard that passage many times, there's a danger that we can sometimes grow slightly immune to the power of that moment. Because actually, if we just take ourselves back to that moment, picture it, here are the disciples. Here are Jesus' 11 friends, his followers, his apprentices, and they've spent the last three years living with Jesus, walking with him, working with him, watching how he lived life, a life of purpose and adventure, and, and coming to believe that, you know what, he really was who he said he was, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And then he died, and it all went quiet, and hopelessness and despair crept into their lives. And then he rose again, and he comes back to them from the dead, and not just back to them one time so that maybe they could pass it off as a hallucination, and not just back to one of them so they can maybe be like, oh, they're always making up tall tales, that can't have happened, but he appears to all of them again and again over the course of 40 days, speaking to them by the Spirit, teaching them about a new reality, drawing them into it. Again, these moments in the 60s, they're powerful, they awakened hope, they changed things, but they didn't change anything near as much as that moment then, when Jesus comes to the disciples and calls them into this new world, this new way of thinking, this new reality, a resurrection reality. A reality where things that were dead don't have to stay dead forever, but come back to life. A reality where the impossible becomes possible. A reality where there is a king on his throne who has defeated death, who's defeated the enemy, who's defeated sin, and he calls them into it over the course of these 40 days. And I believe today that Jesus is coming and he is calling us here as Kingsgate Church family into this new reality as well. You know, in this vision season, it feels like there's a shift for us as a church. You know, 35 years ago, Kingsgate Church was, was birthed, and, and we've been living in this word of think big for those 35 years. Whether you were there right at the start 35 years ago, whether you've been on the journey 35 weeks, or whether it's just 35 minutes, that's been our history, our heritage, thinking big. But there's a shift now as we turn to the next three to five years. Not as big a shift, obviously, as for the disciples, but a shift nonetheless as we go from thinking big to thinking bigger and beyond. And I believe that just as Jesus came to the disciples and called them into it, he's coming to us here across all of our campuses and he's calling us on into this wonderful reality. And you know, there are things that we're gonna have to do in order to see this vision become a reality and so we're gonna be looking at that over the next four weeks. But, but it starts here, doesn't it? It starts with our thinking. You know, how many of you find it always easy to think bigger and beyond? You're like, oh yeah, I'm always in that zone. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> me neither. And I don't think the disciples found it easy either. They weren't known for their great faith, were they? I think that's why it took Jesus 40 days of just speaking to them again and again and again and calling them in, but he did it. And he's doing that for us today. And so wherever we're at with our thinking today, whether it's big thinking, whether it's small thinking, anxious thinking, hyped up thinking, hopeful thinking, I believe Jesus wants to come by his Holy Spirit and speak to us and change us and move us into this new reality, thinking bigger and beyond. And there's two things I wanna share with you today, two kind of upgrades to our thinking that I wanna propose that for all of us we need to step into, and there's two practices that go with them so we can walk this out in our everyday life. And the first thing that I wanna to speak to us about for a little bit is, is this, that we wanna practice possibility 
thinking. Why don't you say that with me just so I can take a little drink. Practice, possibility. Thank you very much, very obedient. <laughs> and throughout my life, I've played kind of many different sports, rugby, athletics. I've started dabbling in six-a-side football now. And, and as I've gone through this, I've learned the power of positive thinking, of positive thinking. Most recently, when I've uh, played a little bit of golf, I've seen the power of this positive thinking. When I'm there on the final hole with my putter in my hand, one shot to beat my father-in-law and brother-in-law. True story. <laughs> if I'm there and I think three feet from the hole, this is going in, and I hit it, what do you think happens? More often than not, it goes in. And in the same vein, if I'm there and I'm standing on the tee, I've got my big club out, I'm ready, and I take my backswing, and just as I'm coming down, the thought goes into my head, you're going to scuff this. What do you think happens? It's, a way, like, it's amazing, isn't it? Like the prophetic power of the mind. You know, Henry Ford said these words. He said, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. You know, positive thinking is good. But there is something that's even better than that, and that is possibility thinking. You know, I want to just talk to us for a few minutes, and the point I'm making is not so much that we need to change from being a pessimist to an optimist, or some of you might say a realist to an idealist, but actually what we need to do is we need to reorient our minds to the reality that nothing is impossible. You know, Luke, um, who wrote the book of Acts in his first book, uh, imaginatively titled Luke, he, he begins in chapter one and he narrates these words, the words of the angel Gabriel to a virgin, to young Mary, and the words are this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And this becomes a reality when this young girl who's never known a man gives birth to Jesus the one who would be the saviour of the world. Nothing will be impossible with God in Luke 1. And then in his second book here in Acts 1, he takes them into an even deeper reality of this truth. Not just a baby coming out of nothing, but a man coming back from the dead. It says of Jesus with the disciples, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. You know, I can picture Luke smiling as he, he penned these words. He was like, look, guys, see, there really is nothing, nothing that is impossible. And I think the disciples in this moment, they learned to think about the impossible like a northerner. Some of you are wondering, what am I talking about? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, no, I will. Um, but I'll give you a little warning. There's a dad joke coming up, so just prepare yourself for this. But thinking about it like a northern. I was born and brought up uh, in Cumbria in the northwest. 14 years in Cambridge has kind of knocked a lot of the accent out of me. But one of the things that northerners love to do is they love to drop their H's. Um, so they can have an happy time having an ham sandwich with Harry. Is that true? All the northerners in the room say, amen. So thinking about the impossible like a northerner means you look at that word impossible and you have to re-add the H back in. So the impossible becomes impossible. Groans <laughs> all around this place. But what I'm saying is this, that there are so many moments in life, aren't there, that can seem impossible. Maybe there's things you're facing right now. Maybe there's problems, situations in your life, with your family or your health, or it's just something you're trying to reconcile in your mind, and you're like, it's just not going to happen. It seems impossible. Or maybe it's dreams. 
Maybe God's spoken some things to you. Maybe he's calling you into things. Maybe even as you were watching the giving video, you're like, you know what, I wanna give this much, but it seems impossible. Well, let's add the H. And let's make these things him possible. For nothing is impossible for the one who came back from the grave. So when we face these situations, and I face these situations, you know, I have problems in my life that if I look at in the natural, I'm like, that's not happening. I've got dreams that God speaks to me about that it's like, oh, like I, I could never do that. But if we look at those impossibilities with this fresh mindset, if we look at the impossibilities through the open doorway of the empty tomb, then everything changes. If we add the H, the impossible becomes possible. And you know, the wonderful thing is when we're, when we're doing this, it's not about just summoning it up. It's not about just going, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe it. I see that truth, I'm just gonna get it down. You know, we have the Holy Spirit to help us in these moments. Jesus with the disciples, Acts 1.8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, this is this power of the Holy Spirit, this is power to do the impossible, as we've actually been tracking with over the last few weeks before Vision Series and Empowered. It's the power to see people saved. It's the power to see people healed. And I just love hearing those stories. I believe God's only just started with that power to do the impossible. But I also believe it's power to think the impossible as well. You know, many of you will know that word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, from where we get the word dynamite. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come to us and kind of blow our minds afresh with this truth, that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So if we're struggling in moments, if we're facing problems or we're facing dreams and we're like, I just don't think I can do this, we can ask the Holy Spirit to empower our thinking. But I also think there's a, there's a practice that we can put into place to help make this a reality. And this is a practice that some of you might do already, but it's quite a simple one really. It's just this, meditating on the truth that nothing is impossible. Meditating on that truth. Romans 12, verse 12, Paul, who, who himself had a radical encounter with Jesus that changed his life, he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, that word transformed in the Greek is metamorpheo, which is metamorphosis. You didn't know you were getting a Greek lesson here today, but you are. So here we go. It's like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. You know, nothing will take our thinking from crawling to flying, like renewing it with this truth that the impossible becomes possible. And you notice in that verse, it says renewing of your mind. It's not just a one-off thing. It's not just, oh, actually, let's, let's hear this truth. Let's think about this truth. And then let's crack on with Sunday afternoon and with the rest of the week. No, it's a constant, consistent thing. And so I want to encourage us to take this truth and to actually take a scripture, the scripture that we heard last week from Pastor Dave, Ephesians 3. And I want to encourage us to take this truth and get it in us and let it flow through us. Let it renew our minds. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 in the Amplified Translation says this. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I mean, you know, what would it do to our minds? What would it do to our lives if that was the thing that filled them? Not, oh, I can't do this because of this, or that seems too big because of this, but no, to him who is able to do super abundantly 
more than all we dare ask or think. So I want to encourage us into a practice, and, and I'm going to call it, here you go, this might, this might catch with you, meditate while you munch. Meditate while you munch. You know, we're, we're through prayer and fasting now, we're all back on eating. And, uh, and what I want to encourage you to do is, is take a meal time, just one meal each day, and get this truth in you. So maybe it's, you might want to choose breakfast, it might be tomorrow breakfast, get this scripture out in the Amplified Translation and just read it. Maybe read it out loud, read it with your family, read it with your household. Tuesday, do it again. Wednesday, start to try and memorize it. Start to try and get it in you. Think about it. Talk about it. Pray about it and get it in you. And see what starts happening to those impossibilities in your mind. So that's the first thing. Let's practice possibility thinking. The second is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, I am a good driver. The fact that I need to tell you that maybe disproves my statement. I am a good driver. Uh, I've just got a couple of bad driving habits. And um, one of them is that I can get a little bit distracted when I'm driving. I've got a bit of an over-exaggerated blind spot check. And if you have this where you're driving along, it's something behind. It's not that one, it's this. No, we're good. Carry on. Um, And then on the other side, if someone's in the back, if I'm carrying passengers and I'm talking to them, you know, I want to be polite and I want to look at them while I'm talking to them. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all good. We're all good. Uh, And then as well, just like out in the world around you when you're driving, there's so much to see, isn't it? I often get distracted by animals. Many of you all know I've trained as a vet, so I'll be driving along and be like, oh, there's a rabbit. Uh, Oh, buzzard. And uh, and I'll kind of tell Annabelle as I'm going, she's like, Chris, like... And the thing that I've learned through this, and this is, this is a revelation, this is deep, is that the car's going to go the direction that my eyes are pointing. So if I'm facing forward, if I'm looking at the road, I'm going this way. If I'm slightly distracted, I'm going off track. To put it another way, my attention determines my destination. My attention determines my destination. You know, this is true in driving, but I also believe it's true in life. And I think back again to those 40 days of Jesus with the disciples. And, and I wonder where their attention was. I mean, they've got Jesus there and he's sharing with them about the kingdom and he's sharing with them all these wonderful things. Uh, but how many of you ever have got distracted in a sermon? Don't wave at me if that's you. <laughs> but I wonder what else was going on in the disciples' minds? What were they maybe tempted to be distracted by? Maybe they were distracted by themselves. I can picture Peter there, and he, by this time he's been lovingly restored by Jesus, but I can still picture him being like, oh, I'm messed up. I wish I hadn't done that. I'm not sure if he can still use me. Maybe distracted by doubt. Good old Thomas. <laughs> when you get an adjective by an end, it's doubting. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know you're not doing too great, but again, he's seen Jesus, but I wonder whether there were still those doubts just going around in his mind and his heart. Maybe distracted by disappointment. There's a really interesting phrase that they asked Jesus. I don't know if you caught it as we went through. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, I think that was Simon the Zealot who asked that question. Simon the Zealot, a violent revolutionary who, he's there and he's like, Jesus, you're the king. You've come back from the grave. So when are we going to rise up and kick out the Romans? And Jesus is like, I'm not doing that. Maybe disappointment rising. Maybe distracted by uncertainty of the future. I think of Matthew, who was a a mathematician. um, He loved just getting things in order. And I can picture him there going like, okay, Jesus, so you're here. And what are we going to do next? And how are we going to plan this? And how are we going to get this right? Maybe distracted by nostalgia. You know, again, I picture them round the table eating together, just telling the stories of what's happened over the last three years. Like, hey, remember, remember that time, Peter, where you walked on water? I mean, it didn't last long, did it? (laughs) 
But, um, but you did it. And you kept going like, come on, well done, buddy. Or remember that time when that boy came with his few fish finger sandwiches and we fed thousands and then we had a pack up for, for days. Remember, remember. I wonder what we can sometimes be distracted by. In this season, where is your attention? What are the things that, when you have a quiet moment, that fill your mind? What are the things that fuel your prayers? You know, our attention determines our destination. If our attention is fixed on what's behind us, it's going to be really hard for us to step into what God's calling us into. If our attention is fixed on, on ourselves and our own inadequacies, it's going to be really hard for us to think any bigger than this little circle and this little person that's right here. If our fed, attention's fixed on our failures, it's really hard to believe that God could use us for anything, let alone thinking bigger and beyond. And over these 40 days, Jesus comes to the disciples. And again, we see he teaches them, he talks to the kingdom. But again, I love that phrase. He showed them many convincing proofs that he was alive. One of the things I think Jesus was doing with the disciples is he was trying to get their attention onto him. Because they would have been in this moment, so many emotions that we might be feeling as well, confusion and doubt and disappointment. But he's saying, he, he, he's like that teacher. Any of you ever have a teacher at school who would be able to be like, focus, focus. Maybe, maybe you weren't so distracted, focus. And I can picture Jesus doing this. He's like, Matthew, stop trying to work it out. Focus. Eyes on me. Peter, it's done. You're forgiven. Focus. Eyes on me. Simon, stop trying to work out what I'm going to do and if I'm going to do the things you want me to do. Get your eyes onto me. The writer to the Hebrews penned these words. They said, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Again, in this season, I believe Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, eyes on me, eyes on me. Because you know, our vision of who Jesus is will affect our vision of what we think is possible. The greater the reality that we get, the picture we get of this God who is, who is bigger and beyond, the more that type of thinking will come naturally to us. You know, I realized this, I had a moment, the Zoom prayer meeting on Monday, probably my favorite moment ever in one of our Zoom prayer meetings where we were there and we were praying and then we just started putting some of the names of God in the chat. And it was amazing, it's probably about 150, 160 screens, and the names just kept on coming. It's like, the Lord is my shepherd, he's my healer, he's my deliverer, he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my strong tower, he's the lion of Judah, he's my banner. And it just kept coming and kept coming. And I was just sitting on my sofa like, whoomph, like faith rose in my heart as I realized again the wonder of who Jesus is. Now, maybe some of us in this time, as well as meditating on that truth from Ephesians, need to take a name of God, something that speaks to us and just meditate on it and get it in us and get it in our minds. We know the best way to fix our eyes on Jesus is undoubtedly through worship. And again, this week, you know, in Cambridge, we had the most amazing touching heaven that we've ever had. And I've heard that across the campuses, it was similar of just this coming into the presence of God. You know, sometimes when we, we think thoughts about God, that's good and we renew our mind. But when you actually come into that face-to-face -face encounter with God where you don't have to say, oh, God's here when you just know and you're there and you're crying out, holy, 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 nothing will change your thinking like that. 
Nothing will rewire your brain into possibility thinking, into this reality of bigger and beyond than that. You know, I said, I, want, I encouraged us to look at our impossibilities through the doorway of the empty tomb. I also want to encourage us to step through the open doorway into the heavenlies on a regular basis and get in the presence of this Jesus who's calling us bigger and beyond. And this happens when we're together in our campuses and joining in online as well. You know, 10 minutes late to worship is 10 minutes late to an encounter with Jesus that could change us forever. But it's also something that we can do whenever we want. And so as well as a practice of meditating while we munch, here's another one for you. Why don't we worship while you wait? Worship while you wait. You know, we spend a lot of our life waiting, don't we? Waiting for the kettle to boil, waiting for a meeting to start, waiting in a queue. And instead of doing what most of us do in that moment, which is kind of heading for the doom scroll and just seeing if anything's happened, why don't we take that moment of waiting and turn it into a waiting on Jesus? and turn it to worship. And again, you can use your phone. These are wonderful devices for worship. Take one of the songs that we were singing, Holy Forever, All Hail King Jesus, whatever is a song that speaks to you. Stick your ears in, you're there in Sainsbury's. You can sing out loud in Sainsbury's. They won't bother my mind, but I don't mind. You can go for it. Or it might just be there's a refrain that you just meditate on in your mind and you're kind of worshiping within. Or it might be you just want to sing what's in your heart, but there's something powerful in those moments. Because when we worship, we become aware of who he is. When we worship, we become aware that his presence is with us. And there's promises in the Bible that when we worship, when we draw close to him, he draws close to us and he changes us and he renews our mind. Floods through our fears and draws us into a new reality. Now, I just wanna invite the worship team just to come back up. You know, Today and in this season, Jesus is calling us into that new reality, thinking bigger and beyond. You know, Jesus has things for you that you've never even begun to think of, for you yourself, personally, for your family, for your neighborhood, for your workplace, for your place of study. But also for us as a church, there's things that we've never even begun to imagine or dream about. I believe there's this little phrase that we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. He's done amazing things, but there is so much more. He's calling us inside. He's calling us to dream again. I watched that the speech, Martin Luther King, I have a dream. It's so powerful. You know, God has given you dreams. I believe there's some of you here, God's given you dreams that you've buried down. Some of you at home right now, there's dreams. There's things that you were like, I really wanna see this, but I'm just not sure. God's gonna bring them back to life again. Maybe others of us in this room, like, I'm not sure I ever really had a dream for my life. I've got to 70, I'm not really sure. God's gonna give you something fresh, I believe. And there's things that we need to do to, to partner with that. And there's the things we need to change in our thinking. Yeah, practice impossibility thinking, meditate while we munch, fixing our eyes on Jesus, worshiping while we wait. But again, we have His Spirit with us to call us in, to stir us up, to do what we can't do in our own strength. You know, I've been thinking, quite a lot about Romans 8, wonderful passage, but it talks about the Holy Spirit and it says that it's a, He is a spirit who's adventurously expectant. He calls us out into this new reality. And again, you might be here thinking, I can't, or maybe because of this, maybe because of this. And He's saying, no, you, I've chosen you. You're a part of this and I'm calling you onwards. And again, as we do these things through the next week and months, as we meditate and as we worship, something's gonna change. But I also believe something can change in a moment, 
when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us again. So we're just gonna take a moment now and wherever we are, we're gonna take a moment to respond. And so I just wanna ask you at home or in the room, if you're able, would you stand with me? And what I want you to do, why don't you just, just close your eyes, just a moment between you and God. And like I said, he's calling us. Jesus is, it's almost like he's standing next to you, calling you, come further up and further in. Come and think bigger and beyond. But again, if you're anything like me, there might be things in your life or things in your mind that are holding you back. And so just in this moment, we're just gonna have 30 seconds of just the band will keep playing, but just stillness. Why don't you just bring those things to mind now? Is there anything? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us now anything that might be holding us back from thinking bigger and beyond? Speak to us, show us. Even those of us in this room who wouldn't call ourselves Christians, Holy Spirit, come and show us. Is there anything that's holding us back from the adventurous reality you're calling us into? Come, Holy Spirit. And then just in that moment with that thing in your mind or things, and if you haven't got anything, don't worry. But what I want us to do is, this might feel a little bit awkward, might be a little bit silly, but... um, I believe it's gonna be powerful. That Hebrews verse says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And so again, just in this moment, in the room or, or if you're at home, I want you to just kind of do something physically that symbolizes if you want to get rid of that thing, whether it be disappointment, whether it be doubt, whether it be failure, whether it be guilt, whether it be small, I want you to just do something. Do a little bit of a Taylor Swift and shake it off. Do something just now in this moment. Jesus, we just come and we just shake off these things. We shake off doubt. We shake off disappointment. We get rid of fear of the future. We get rid of thinking that we have to control everything. We have to have it all planned. We say, actually, no, we don't want that anymore. We want to respond to your call. We shake it off. We throw it off. We make a choice today to step into this reality in Jesus' name. And why don't you just place place your hands on your head again. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to to fill our minds. Come on, that's powerful. We've shaken stuff off. Holy Spirit, in those spaces, (laughs) would you come and replace them with your power and your peace and your presence? Where we've had doubts, replace them with faith. If you need faith right now, In the Bible, it talks about the gift of faith. That's what I was praying for, for three days of prayer and fasting. I'm asking now the gift of faith, where we've shaken off guilt. Would you just fill us with the reality of your forgiveness? If we come, it says, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. We receive that again in our minds. If we've shaken off just small thinking, we've got stuck in this place of going, oh, I can't do this because it's it's here. Just fill our minds with the reality of the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us and help us. And again, that this wouldn't just be a moment here on this day, but this would be something that carries on through this week, through this vision series, through into these next three to five years and beyond and beyond and beyond. Fill us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, you know, in a moment's time, we're going to worship And we're just going to actually put it into practice. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. But before we do that, I want us to just read out that Ephesians verse together. Sorry, guys, at the back. If you could just get that Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. And I want to, you know, sometimes when we read out together, we kind of go, now to him who is able to do. No, I want us to read this with faith from the depths of our being. So if we could get that scripture up, Ephesians 3, 
20, we're going to go on the count of three and we're going to say this with passion and with fire. Even if you're not feeling faith, as you say it, I believe faith's going to rise. Are you ready? One, two, three. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Come on, let's give Him praise. Jesus, we love You. We worship You. We fix our eyes afresh on You.